6 a.m. on the West Coast, 9 a.m. on the East Coast of America. It's 2 p.m. in London, 7.30 in Mumbai, India. It's 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan, and in Malaysia, Gong Si Fa Chai. It's Chinese New Year's Eve. I'm Jay Shelton. I'm not wearing pants. I am, however, wearing a very hot Chinese traditional top. I don't know what this is called. I know I know Chong Sum is the women's sexy dress, but I don't know what the guy's shirt is called. If somebody knows, put it in the chat, please. Uh, yeah, it's the eve of Chinese New Year. Here in Malaysia, it's 10 o'clock at night, 10.01. And uh, in a couple of hours, it will officially be the first day of Chinese New Year. It's a huge celebration, not just here in Malaysia, but of course in China, anywhere that has a relatively large Chinese population. But no matter whether you are Chinese from your heritage or Chinese in your heart, uh, this is probably the biggest event of the year, Chinese New Year. So we're going to talk a little about Chinese New Year tonight. And even if you are Chinese and you think you know there's everything there is to know about Chinese New Year, you know, maybe you don't. So for those who don't, and for those of you listening around other parts of the world, we'll be uh, sharing a little, a little info about <clears throat> Chinese New Year. And we, yes, we have a few other things to talk about, and we will get to Tom Sawyer. Uh, but right now, let's get to this. Miko update. Ah, <laughs> uh, the little girl is doing well. She has just started her cycle. It's been many months. She was way overdue. And so just the last day or two, she has started her cycle. So here we go with the diapers. <laughs> she's doing really well however tonight in particular not so much because she does not like fireworks and one of the big things about Chinese New Year is the fireworks now we're a couple of hours away from midnight and I'm, I've already heard them you will hear them coming in through my microphone because my studio here is not soundproof but uh Every time they go off, depending upon how close to the house they are, she gets a little crazy. Uh, let me see, see if, if I, I can, can share. share. Actually, Actually, the first, the first thing, thing is, is my bonsai. bonsai. I have a Japanese, Japanese ume, ume, a plum bonsai. It's, it's a, a horrible tree. tree. The design, the design is, terrible. is terrible. There's, There's nothing, nothing I can, I can do, do with it. it. But, but every Chinese New Year, without, without fail, fail this, this thing, thing puts, puts out, out a couple, couple of blossoms. blossoms. So, so it's, it's just, just as, as ugly as the tree is, is it really is. It's, it's got, got some, some dead branches, branches it's, it's got, got some leaves that pop. But, but no, no matter, matter what, what Chinese, Chinese New Year, New Year it, it always gives me a couple of uh, plum blossoms. blossoms. So, so there you go. go. All, right, All right, that's our Chinese New Year greeting, which I'm sure you saw. If you didn't check it out, it's on I'm Not Wearing Pants Facebook page. 
And, and there, there she is. is. There's, There's the little girl. girl. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, she, she has, has that, that look, look on her, her face, face right, right now. now. Um, um, so <laughs> she's, she's uh, not the happiest tool in the shed today. I, some of my friends have posted <laughs> pictures of their Shiba. We did not do this with Miko. Maybe, Maybe we, we should, should have. have. But, but it, it is, is the, the Chinese, Chinese Year of the Tiger, tiger coming up. up. In, in a couple, a couple of hours, hours here. here. Uh, and, and so, so they've, they've taken, taken their Shiba and they've drawn on them to make them look like tigers. And they make really cute tigers. If you're listening on the podcast, in our rebroadcast to the audio, just please go to our uh, our video. Rumble.com is probably the best place. But Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitch.tv. But these are great. Look at this. They've actually drawn over top. And in some cases, they really do look like tigers. It's so, so cute. cute. Look at that, that one. one. This, this is, is brilliant. Cool. Really cool. Um, one of the things that... Uh, oh, yeah. He, he, this is Miko. Let me Let show, me show you. you. There's, There's the little, little girl. girl. And, and I know, I know it, it, it's, 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 it's a Chinese, Chinese New Year, Year outfit, outfit, but it wasn't, wasn't designed, designed for that. that. She's, She's actually, actually wearing, wearing this right, right now. now. Um, actually, actually, this, this is, is a picture I didn't mean to be public, but it got posted anyway, which is fine. This is, this is our, our reunion, reunion dinner. dinner. Miko, Miko with, with her food, food and me with my uh, lop chong fried rice. rice. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you, you see this thing? thing? It's wrapped it's around and then it crosses on the top. top. It, it crosses, crosses underneath and then, and then back, back up and, and it's tied. tied. Well, well, I bought, bought a piece of red cloth. It's very soft. But what this is, is a comfort wrap. I saw this online at a couple of sites. And they actually sell these. You can buy commercial ones. They're called Thunder Wrap or something like that. But if you check this video out, it's designed for dogs that have a lot of anxiety about loud noises, in particular, say, fireworks, thunderstorms, things like that. And it apparently helps to reduce their anxiety. I tried this with a thunderstorm we had a few days ago, and it actually did seem to help. Now, tonight, there's been a lot of fireworks, and there are going to be a lot more. So she's wearing it right now. I don't want to pick her up because she's really uncomfortable and nervous anyway, but she's right here at my feet because when she's nervous and anxious, she doesn't like to go too far away from us. Uh, uh, so, so this, this just check, check this, this video, video out. It's a very uh, yeah, simple little video. video. And, and you see, see what they're, they're doing here? Watch, check this out. out. They wrap, wrap it around. around. This, this is like an like ace bandage, bandage that uh, she's, she's using. using. And she and gives she it a tie. tie. If, you, if you're a dog, dog owner and your dog, dog is afraid of fireworks or thunderstorms, thunderstorms check, check this out. Because from, from what I've seen, it actually does work. And just that's as simple as it is. There it is. Tie it off. And there you go. It's not tight. It's huggy a bit. But a Apparently, Apparently, it, it works, works. And, and so, so far, far for Miko, Miko it's, it's been okay. She's been less anxious. She's still a bit nervous about everything, but uh, yeah, she's less anxious with the wrap on. So we'll we'll see. We'll see in a couple of hours if it really works. Oh. All right, coffee break time. Chinese New Year. Si yen kui le, gong si va chai. Kong he fa, uh, kong, kong he fa choi, kong si fa chai. 
something like that, Cantonese, Mandarin, all that stuff. Uh, even if you are Chinese and you celebrate your home now with your family, maybe just got through with your reunion dinner, the drinking has begun, uh, whatever it may be, uh, Chinese New Year had some rather interesting starts. And I found this article. The link is in our show notes tonight if you want to uh, check, check it out and read, read the whole article. article. This, this is, is, as we said, said, the Year, year of the, of the tiger, tiger coming up. up. And, and uh, uh, okay, okay, got, got it, it, fine. The, the origins, origins and history of Chinese, Chinese New, New year. year. Who started it and, and why? This is really, really a cool... There's a video there. You can watch that on on YouTube. But, but um, it's, this has got some really cool information. Chinese New Year, also known as the Lunar New Year, is the spring festival, most important among the traditional Chinese festivals. The origins can be traced back to 3,500 years ago. These folks don't screw around. It's been around for a long time. It's evolved, though, over a long period of time, and its customs have undergone a rather long development process. In the Shang Dynasty, uh, about 1600 to 1046 BC is when Chinese New Year originated. Uh, it was a celebration of winter sacrifices to the gods and to ancestors. And during the Zhao Dynasty, uh, the calendar year was established and pagan ancestor worship became social practice. And then in the Han Dynasty, in 2002 BC through 220 AD, the Chinese New Year date was fixed, and all the popular celebrations uh, began to happen. Um, the legend, like all Chinese festivals, uh, it's steeped with stories and myths, and the most popular one is about the beast Nian, who ate livestock, crops, even people, on the eve of New Year. So right now he would be munching and crunching. Uh, interesting that Nian, the yearly beast, sounds the same as year in Chinese. It's N-I-A-N, Nian. Uh, prevent, to prevent Nian from attacking people and causing destruction, people would put food at their doors for Nian. It's said that a wise old man figured out he was afraid of loud noises firecrackers, and the color red. And then people put red lanterns and red scrolls on their windows and doors to stop Nyen from coming inside. And they would crack bamboo, which later was replaced by fireworks, uh, to scare Nyen away. And the monster never showed up again. Uh, 3,500 years, its exact beginning was not recorded. Some people believe Chinese New Year originated in the Shang Dynasty, and people held sacrificial ceremonies in honor of gods and ancestors at the beginning or the end of each year. These are the lunar years, not the calendar year. So it's a fascinating article. Do check it out. And, uh, there's some great links in there, some videos that you can check out. It's in our show notes down below tonight in our description. And you'll see that as one of the top links there. Um, check out all the, uh, all the cool stuff about, uh, about Chinese New Year. And 
Yeah, we just shared just a little bit of that. We did this before on the show, I think one or two streams ago, but um, <laughs> it always changes depending upon what soothsayer you ask. Of course, of course everyone, everyone is, is born, born in a particular, in a particular sign. sign. I, I am, am a, a rooster. rooster. And uh, the, the luck of, of the 12 zodiac, zodiac signs, according, according to, to this article, article from, from the Malay Mail, links in our show notes, the pig, pig goat, goat, and snake are to be, be the, the luckiest, luckiest this, this year. year. And, and here's, here's all these weird charts, charts the year of the, the tiger. tiger. The last one was 2010, 12 years ago. Well, of course, there are 12 symbols. Um, the year of the ox finally come to an end. Time to turn the Chinese... Ge geomancy of feng shui to discover what the new year holds for everybody and according to feng shui master kenny who 2022 will be the year of the water tiger which is dubbed as the brighter year well we all could use a brighter year yeah. uh, the key word for this year is ming which means bright and carries, and carries the special, special properties, properties of eye and moon. And to find out what lays in store, give the lowdown on each sign. So here you go. You can go through the article and check out your sign. It not only says what the sign is, like here it says rat, and it will show you what years that you were born. Uh, I was born in 58. Yeah, I'm that freaking old. But the thing was, I was born January 15th, and the year of the dog didn't happen till after my birthday so technically i was born in the year of the rooster so i'm going by rooster and from what i read apparently this is a really good year also for roosters we'll see <laughs> all right again you can share you can check that link out in our show notes tonight and find out more about your zodiac sign what kind of year mr who expects you to have Check this out, by the way. One, one or two more little things about, about Chinese, Chinese New, New Year. Year. This, this is, is a picture of a temple, temple in Penang. Penang. Penang is a place here in Malaysia. Malaysia. Again, Again, if you're listening to the podcast, podcast sorry, check, check out our video on rumble.com or Facebook, YouTube. YouTube. Uh, uh, but look, look at this. this. All, all lit, lit up, up for the holidays. Some fireworks going off. That is absolutely amazing. That is from Penang here in Malaysia. An incredible shot. Wow. So cool. All right. While we here and across the world are celebrating Chinese New Year, the people in the United States are buckling down for a blizzard that I think has already moved through and turned into be a big fat nothing burger. But one of the headlines I saw, because people who live in Florida are weird anyway. They're really cool. I lived there for five over years. They're cool as hell. But the people who live in Key West or the Florida Keys, now they are some crazy people. That's where I lived when I lived in Florida. I lived in Key West. I lived Actually, I lived on Big Pine. I lived on Little Pine. And I lived in Key West. So check this out. This is a, a video from, from the, the Weather, Weather Channel. Channel. And, and the, the headline, headline is, is Iguanas... Iguanas Falling from, from the, the sky. sky. Well, well, it's actually true. true. I'm just going to let this play while I talk briefly about this. This, this is some nutbag from the Weather Channel with a Conch Republic, Republic, which is Key West, flag, flag 
and he's doing a report. He's showing you how windy it is out there. So this is the guy talking about the weather coming in, the weather moving in, the winds. But the headline, Iguanas Falling from the Sky, is actually because what it's becoming very cold in Florida. And they, they have, have iguanas, iguanas in Florida. Florida. And, and when, when it, it gets, gets cold, cold enough, they kind of go, go into a sort of hibernative state. state. So, so they, they just, just like lock up and, and they, they don't freeze, freeze like because it's below freezing. freezing. But, but when, when it, gets it gets cold, cold enough, the iguanas will freeze up. up. And, and fall, fall out, out of the, the trees. trees. So oh. they, they put, put the, the warning water. up that if you happen to see an iguana fall from a tree, it's not dead. It's just kind of in this hibernation state. And you shouldn't touch it. You shouldn't interfere with the iguanas. So if you are in Florida and you have iguanas falling from the sky can't believe I'm doing this. Just leave them alone, okay? It's fine. They'll recover when it warms up. Oh, Chinese New Year and, uh, yeah, and iguanas falling from the sky. Hey, earlier this week, this is an article from World of Buzz. Again, the link's in our show notes. you got to check this out. We had one hell of a storm move through Ipoh. Again, Ipoh is a big city and a place here in uh, Malaysia. But, but um, this, this article from World of Buzz, Ipoh neighborhoods left destroyed as strong winds and a tornado were reported yesterday. There is video of this. I don't know if it's in this article or not. But take a look at some of the damage that has happened to some of the houses. Several of them lost their roofs. Uh, we don't have a lot of natural disasters here in Malaysia. We're very lucky when it comes to that. We very, very rarely feel an earthquake, and usually it's not anywhere located in Malaysia. It's always the shocks from somewhere else, Indonesia or something. But uh, we, we don't have hurricanes that hit us. I don't think one has ever hit. Um, very, very, very few natural disasters. We are lucky as hell here in Malaysia. We do occasionally have a very mild version of either a dust devil or a tornado. And I don't know if it was officially a tornado or not. The meteorological department did not put out an official report on it. But Kadah uh, saw a mini tornado, and now another one surfaced in Ipoh, accompanied by insanely strong winds. Look at the roof on this house here. It's incredible. Uh, storms, uh, storms and tornadoes have been reported around Ipoh yesterday, yesterday afternoon. And, uh, uh, yeah, here's, here's some more of the debris flying around in the air. It's, it's absolutely, absolutely incredible. incredible. Look, Look at this destruction. destruction. Wow, uh, that definitely, definitely looks, looks like tornado, tornado damage, damage to me. To me. That's, That's insane. Look at that. that. The roof completely gone. Everything, everything inside, inside destroyed. destroyed. That, that is, is absolutely amazing. amazing. I hope the folks, apparently uh, no injuries or deaths reported in this, which is really good news, but they have a hell of a mess to uh, to clean up there in Ipoh, uh, some more of the damage that happened at MSU campus. Wow. That's insane. Very crazy. So to the folks in Ipoh, be well.
Be well. I hope you're all okay up there. Amazing. All right. And one more piece of weird news before we get into uh, Tom Sawyer. Yeah, the show's going to be a little bit short tonight because I got a dog who's afraid of fireworks to take care of. And it's Chinese New Year. So what the hell? (laughs) Uh, Two Connecticut producers, not the kind of producers you're thinking of, make the best cheese in the United States, according to Food and Wine Magazine. Food and Wine Magazine is a pretty highfalutin magazine. They don't screw around. But the cool thing is, is that uh, both of them are relatively close to my hometown of uh, Cornwall, Connecticut, which is in the northwest corner of the state of Connecticut. People are always asking, where are you from? I'd say I'm from Connecticut. But the only way to describe that, if you don't know, is it's halfway in between New York City and Boston, Massachusetts. It's right about in the middle. So anyway, this article is from the Register Citizen, which is is the the local local newspaper newspaper in in Torrington, Torrington, Connecticut, Connecitt, the big big city city in Litchfield County. County. But But these these two two producers producers from from Connecticut Connecticut make make the the best best cheese in the the U.S. US. Check Check it out. out. So So cool. cool. Connecticut home to two of the country's top 50 cheesemakers, according to Food and Wine. They did a roundup and Arethusa Farm Dairy, based in Bantam, which is very close to Litchfield and Cornwall, my hometown, and also Colchester's Cato Corner Farm, were listed among the best cheese producers in the U.S., joining renowned artisans, cheese artisans, that is, also in states like California, Oregon, and Vermont. You know, I would think a state that produces more milk, which isn't Wisconsin, known as the big milk-producing state in the U.S.? I don't know. Anyway, the only requirement was that they help to accurately paint a picture of what has become an extremely broad and exciting cheese scene, from great supermarket cheeses to the smallest of small batches. And these guys are just a couple of the award-winning cheesemakers. A high-fashion background of Arethusa Farm co-founders, George Malchemus and Tori Yurgaitis. I'm sorry, I know I'm butchering your names. It's not on purpose. Uh, The former Milano Blahnik executives, wow, bought the farm in 1999. They were trying to save open farmland. Uh, George passed away in September after a long battle with cancer. That's too bad. 20 years after their fortuitous decision, cheeses like mountain-style tapping reeve and creamy British-style Arethusa blue have become favorites. All right, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but oh, there, there you go. Look at that. Oh, man. Mmm. I'm a big cheese fan. So is Miko, by the way. But, but yeah, yeah congratulations. congratulations. I just, I just wanted, wanted to share, share that out. The link to the whole article from the Register Citizen is in our show notes tonight, so you can check it out, share it, whatever it is, give them a click, and uh, find out more about yummy Connecticut cheese. All right. Man, this shirt is hot. I'm telling you, it's made out of silk, and I just have a fan running in here because the aircon's too loud. But it's hot. All right, let's uh, 
Let's pop back over and say hello to our old friend, Tom Sawyer. As you know, we read classic books on this stream, and we have been doing that from the very beginning. This is our 171st show, and we're reading Tom Sawyer right now. You can go back and check out all the shows. If you sign up at a certain level on Patreon.com, you'll see the link running across the bottom of the screen here, or it's in our show notes. If you want to support us on Patreon at a certain level, you'll get access to only the books in chapters as we go, and you can click through all those. It's an exclusive access to people that support the show at a certain level on Patreon.com, and thank you for that, by the way. All right. Uh, we have moved up and on to Chapter 12 in the Adventures of Tom Sawyer. And one thing we want to let you know, it was written back in 1876, and some of the words in this book, while appropriate at the time, today are thought of as vulgar and not socially acceptable, uh, including the N-word is used throughout this book. So if that sort of thing offends you, you might want to pop off to some other show at this point. But we are reading it exactly as it was written in 1876 by Mark Twain. So, fair warning. There you go. All right, let's move into chapter 12 in the adventures of Tom Sawyer. One of the reasons why Tom's mind had drifted away from its secret troubles was that it had found a new and weighty matter to interest itself about. Becky Thatcher had stopped coming to school. Tom had struggled with his pride a few days and tried to whistle her down the wind, but failed. He began to find himself hanging around her father's house nights and feeling very miserable. She was ill. What if she should die? There was distraction in the thought. He no longer took an interest in war nor even in piracy. The charm of life was gone. There was nothing but dreariness left. He put his hoop away and his bat. There was no joy in them anymore. His aunt was concerned. She began to try all manner of remedies on him. She was one of these people who are infatuated with patent medicines and all new fangled methods of producing health or mending it. She was an inveterate experimenter in these things. When something fresh in this line came out, she was in a fever right away to try it. Oh, not on herself, for she was never ailing, but on anybody that came handy. She was a subscriber for all the health periodicals and phrenological frauds, and the slalom ignorance that were inflated with was breath to her nostrils. All the rot they contained about ventilation and how to go to bed and how to get up and what to eat and what to drink and how much exercise to take and what frame of mind to keep oneself in and what sort of clothing to wear was all gospel to her. And she never observed that her health journals of the current month customarily upset everything they had recommended the month before. She was as simple-hearted and honest as the day was long, and so 
she was an easy victim. She gathered together her quack periodicals and her quack medicines, and thus, armed with death, went about on her pale horse, metaphorically speaking, with hell following after. But she never suspected that she was not an angel of healing and the balm of Gilead in disguise to the suffering neighbors. The water treatment was new now, and Tom's low condition was a windfall to her. She had him out at daylight every morning, stood him up in the woodshed, and drowned him with a deluge of cold water. Then she scrubbed him down with a towel like a file, and so brought him to... Then she rolled him up in a wet sheet, put him away under the blankets until he sweated his soul clean, and the yellow stains of it came through his pores, as Tom said. Yet, notwithstanding all of this, the boy grew more and more melancholy and pale and dejected. She added hot baths, sits baths, shower baths, and plunges, the boy remained as dismal as a hearse. She began to assist the water with a slim oatmeal diet and blister plasters. She calculated his capacity as she would a jugs and filled him up every day with quack cure-alls. Tom had become indifferent to persecution by this time. This phase filled the old lady's heart with consternation. This indifference must be broken up at any cost. Now she heard of painkiller for the first time. She ordered a lot at once. She tasted it and was filled with gratitude. It was simply fire in a liquid form. She dropped the water treatment and everything else and pinned her faith to painkiller. She gave Tom a teaspoonful and watched with the deepest anxiety for the results. Her troubles were instantly at rest, her soul at peace again, for the indifference was broken up. The boy could have not have shown a wilder, heartier interest if she'd built a fire under him. Tom felt it was time to wake up. This sort of life might be romantic enough in his blighted condition. But it was getting to have too little sentiment and too much distracting variety about it. So he thought over the various plans for relief and finally hit upon that of professing to be fond of painkiller. He asked for it so often he became a nuisance and his aunt ended by telling him to help himself and quit bothering her. If it had been Sid, she would have had no misgivings to alloy her delight. But since it was Tom, she watched the bottle clandestinely. She found that the medicines did really diminish. But it didn't occur to her that the boy was mending the health of a crack in the sitting room floor with it. One day, Tom was in the act of dosing the crack when his aunt's yellow cat came along, purring, eyeing the teaspoon avocariously, and begging for a taste. Tom said, Don't ask for it less than you want it, Peter. But Peter signified, 
that he did want it. You better make sure. Peter was sure. Well, now you've asked for it, and I'll give it to you, because there ain't anything mean about me. But if you find you don't like it, you mustn't blame anybody but your own self. Peter was agreeable, and so Tom pried open his mouth, poured down the painkiller. Peter sprang a couple of yards straight up in the air and then delivered a war whoop and set off round and round the room, banging against furniture, upsetting flower pots, making general havoc. Next, he rose on his hind feet and pranced around in a frenzy of enjoyment, with his head over his shoulders and his voice proclaiming his unappeasable happiness. And then he went tearing around the house again, spreading chaos and destruction in his path. Aunt Polly entered just in time to see him throw a few double somersaults, deliver a final mighty hurrah, and sail through the open window, carrying the rest of the flower pots with him. The old lady stood petrified with astonishment, peering over her glasses. Tom lay on the floor, expiring with laughter. Tom, what on earth ails that cat? I don't know, Aunt, gasped the boy. Why, I never seen anything like it. What do make him act like so? Deed, I don't know, Aunt Polly. Cats always act so when they're having a good time. They do, do they? There was something in the tone that made Tom apprehensive. Yes, am that is, I do believe they do. You do, yes'm. The old lady was bending down, Tom watching with interest, emphasized by anxiety. Too late, he divined her drift. The handle of the telltale teaspoon was visible under the bed valance. Aunt Polly took it up, held it up. Tom winced and dropped his eyes, and Aunt Polly raised him by the usual handle, the ear and cracked his head soundly with her thimble. Now, sir, what did you want to treat that poor dumb beast so for? I done it out of pity for him, because he ain't got any aunt. Hadn't any aunt, you numbskull. What has that got to do with it? Heaps. Cause he'd had one, she'd have burnt him out herself. She'd have roasted his bowels out of him, thou any more feeling than if he was a human. Aunt Polly felt a sudden pang of remorse. This was putting the thing in a new light. What was cruelty to a cat might be cruelty to a boy, too. She began to soften. She felt sorry. Her eyes watered a little, and she put her hand on Tom's head and said gently, I was meeting for the best, Tom, and Tom, it did do you good. Tom looked up in her face with just a perceivable twinkle peeping through his gravity. I know you was meaning for the best, Auntie, and so I was with Peter. 
it done him good too. I never seen him get around so since. Oh, go along with you, Tom, before you aggravate me again. Try and see if you can't be a good boy for once, and you needn't take any more medicine. Tom reached school ahead of time. It was noticed this strange thing had been occurring every day latterly, and now, as usual of late, he hung about the gate of the schoolyard instead of playing with his comrades. He was sick, he said, and he looked it. He tried to seem to be looking everywhere, but whither he really was looking, down the road. Presently, Jeff Thatcher hove in sight, and Tom's face lighted. He gazed a moment, then turned sorrowfully away. When Jeff arrived, Tom accosted him and led up warily to a, for opportunities for remark about Becky, but the giddy lad could never see the bait. Tom watched and watched, hoping whenever a frisky frock came in sight and hating the owner of it as soon as he saw she was not the right one. At last, frocks ceased to appear, and he dropped hopelessly into the dumps. He entered the empty schoolhouse and sat down to suffer. And then one more frock passed into the gate, and Tom's heart gave a great bound. The next instant he was out and going on like an Indian, yelling, laughing, chasing boys, jumping over the fence at risk of life and limb, throwing handsprings, standing on his head, doing all the heroic things he could conceive of, and keeping a furtive eye out all the while to see if Becky Thatcher was noticing. But she seemed to be unconscious of it all. She never looked. Could it be possible she wasn't aware he was there? He carried his exploits to her immediate vicinity, came war-whooping around, snatched a boy's cap, hurled it up on the roof of the schoolhouse, broke through a group of boys, tumbling them in every direction. She turned with her nose in the air, and he heard her say, Hmm, some people think they're mighty smart, always showing off. Tom's cheeks burned. He gathered himself off and sneaked away, crushed, crestfallen. And that's chapter 12 of Tom Sawyer. We'll continue on with chapter 13 in our next live stream coming up on Wednesday night, the second day of Chinese New Year. All right, folks, that's it. That's going to do it for our show tonight. I thank you so much for your watching and uh, live across Facebook, YouTube, Twitch.tv, and Rumble.com. If you're listening on the podcast and you want to see the show, you can check out all the stuff we talked about in our links below, or you can go over to Rumble.com, YouTube, or uh, Facebook and check out all of our past shows. I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. And to everyone, happy Chinese New Year. Gong Si Fa Tai.